If you've got a Bible with you, Matthew chapter 10, we're going to read 22 verses. I like to bring a long reading every time I'm down here. Last time it was 16, he's now going more, but they're short. And, uh, and so we're going to read this story, and then we're going to wrap up this vision series uh, that uh, we've been going through. Next week, of course, it's hope for the finances. Uh, we are in the middle, apparently, of a cost of living crisis, but we are not in the middle of a cost of giving crisis, amen? That God, you cannot outgive God. I'm going to try that again. You cannot outgive God, okay? Yeah, man, come on. We've got to believe it. And so the next six weeks are going to be a lot of fun, a lot of faith. And, uh, and this is where the kingdom of God and the people of God have got an advantage, got their heads up, because we are journeying life with the Lord. All right, enough of that. Okay, Matthew chapter 10. That'll take for next week. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 22. And uh, some of these verses may be brand new to some of you. Uh, for others, they'll be familiar enough. And, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit. And I love it because we're already singing about the name of Jesus. And uh, my, my whole talk is all around the name of Jesus. Don't you love it when the whole thing just comes together like that? So I'm especially excited about what the Lord is going to do. Anyway, Matthew 10, you can follow on the screen. If you've got a tablet or a phone, I want to encourage you to uh, follow. Follow along there. If you've got paper, uh, a Bible like this, then please open that and uh, follow along with me as well. But always remember that faith comes by hearing, not by reading, okay? So make sure we listen. All right, so Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and give them authority to drive out impure spirits to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles for Simon, his brother Andrew, James, his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, uh, Thomas, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Okay, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, proclaim this message. What a line he says now the kingdom of heaven has come near. Not awesome. Not where Jesus was going, but where the disciples were. The kingdom of heaven has come near because they have come near. Phenomenal stuff. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment. And then he goes in verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Verse 9, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. Are we good? Verse 12, yeah. we all in? As you enter the home, give it your greeting. And if the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Verse 16. It takes a slight turn. I am sending you out as uh, like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for you will not be, for you will not be speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. How awesome is that? 
Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for this is a big word. There's a lot of verses here with lots of meaning. And so Father, we just need your help right now. So Holy Spirit, would you be the great editor? Would you be the great cutter and paster of this conversation? And uh, and Lord, we're all in this room by design. We're all in this room because you have intended us to be here. That means, God, there is something that you want to say to each one of us. And so Lord, I pray that we will lean in. We will listen, Lord. You will help me. Uh, But Lord, we will leave this room carrying that little nugget that you brought us into this room to receive. And so, Father, we ask for your help and your love and your favor, and of course, your goodness to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I have entitled this uh, in line with, your, uh, with the vision series, all about how to have a vision for the King and His kingdom, okay? Have a vision for the king and his kingdom. And Candice has already been encouraging us today to turn our eyes upon Jesus. I mean, it is overwhelming. And I said it almost every time that I'm down here. When we flick through the news on the RTE website, the BBC, CNN, whatever, the world is in a shocking state. And there's, you might as well look up, okay? Because looking around or behind or down, there's nothing there to see that's going to give you any confidence. So we might as well turn our eyes upon Jesus, I feel a song coming on. Look full in his and the things of earth in the light of his glory and his grace. Amen. I'll see you next week. That's all we need, isn't it? That's all we need. Get a vision for the king and his kingdom. But here's the verse, and I've already alluded to it as I was reading the text. It's verse 7, everyone, and it's heal the sick. Jesus says this, heal the sick who are there and Tell them that the kingdom of God is near you. Isn't that awesome? And it's where Jesus is devolving authority to his disciples so that no matter where his disciples go, the kingdom of God is with them. So when they are near anyone, the kingdom of God is not just with Jesus. When Jesus turns up, it's actually with the disciples. No matter where they go, the kingdom of God is near. And how many people know that when the kingdom of God, that is the rule and the reign of God, the dominion of the king, kingdom, the dominion of the king, the rule and reign of God, when it turns up, everything changes. Amen? Look at your life. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, you are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, your life has been completely changed. Here's hoping. Yes, amen. Absolutely. Okay, you you don't look different, but you feel different, but you live different. Your priorities have changed. How you spend your time and use your words and your thoughts have been completely altered because of the Lord Jesus. Wherever the kingdom turns up, everything changes. Who remembers the story of the widow of Nain in, in, the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels? You can remember the story. That's the, the funeral procession's coming through. It's a widow woman. She's lost her only son, which is bad enough in any time, on any era, but in the particular ancient culture, to lose a son as a widow was basically tantamount to financial destitution, okay? So it was a really big deal. Jesus is moved in the town by what he sees, and he speaks to the boy. He sits up out of the often, if you can imagine it, and restores the boy back to life. I heard a preacher say this once about this particular story. He says, when the body moves, the funeral's over. What a line. 
Because everywhere the kingdom goes, everything changes. Something, anywhere Jesus goes, nothing can stay the same. And I want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're carrying the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God is upon you. And everywhere you go, everything has the capacity to change. Amen. When Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened and the Spirit of God fell upon him. Nowhere does it say, and the heavens were closed. And so above Jesus, no matter where he went, was an open heaven. Above the disciples, no matter where they went, was an open heaven. And no matter where you go, there is a, an open heaven. All things are possible. And so I want you to get a vision today for the king, get a vision for his kingdom, because here's the big opportunity that we have today. The world that we are living in is not just listening to our message. What they are looking for in this post-truth, post-modern kind of world that we are in, they are they're deeply spiritual, they're deeply interested in Jesus. I want to encourage you. It's, we don't live in a secular world, we live in a pluralistic world, okay? So no longer is Jesus just the one God. He's one God among many in the world today. And so they're interested in spirituality. They're interested in all of these things. And so what they're looking for today is working models of what it is we believe about our message. Is that making sense? They would then not enough for them just to hear what you have to say. They want to see working models of what it is you believe and what we believe about our message. And that means, everybody, that our communities are ripe for this fresh intervention of the power of God. Amen? They really are. And I want to turn, you, you want to turn to your neighbor and say, You're it. You're it. You're the one God is sending. This isn't a disciple. He's not sending the disciples anymore. He's sending. You're God's best hope for Dublin. Okay. You are. You're God's best hope for your family. Am I on? You're God's best hope for your world. You absolutely are. And when you get a vision for the king, and you get a vision for the kingdom, and when you understand, and I hope we'll get some activation prayers going at the end of this message, that you are taking out the kingdom of God within you, that everywhere you go in Jesus' name has the capacity to bring change for the glory of God. That's how good you are, that's how good God is, and how much you carry in Christ. Regardless of all you're going through, regardless of all the things that you're dealing with in your life, the reality is, the, the facts and truth. They're different. Facts are, your life is X, but the truth is, God is Y. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. Your situation does not determine how strong he is or how powerful he is. Well, I'm not believing so much today, so God isn't as powerful. Rubbish. He's always powerful, okay? Come on, let's draw our line of faith with who he is, not with what our circumstances dictate. Amen? That's how good he is. That I'll tell you. Okay, let's get on. There's two reactions. I've got just two points, okay? But I'm going to split them six ways. I'm only joking. Okay, I've got, there's two reactions. There's two reactions to this message. And reaction number one, okay? Reaction number one is this. When you carry the name of the king, you can release the authority of the kingdom. Okay? When you, and that's why we're all singing today, at the name of Jesus, I speak the name of Jesus. I'm like, oh, tingles. When you carry the name of the king, you can release the authority of the kingdom. 1 Samuel 17 is a story, and, and I'll say the two 
sort of two central characters, David and Goliath, okay? And you can read that story. I'm not going to go through the whole thing today. It's a familiar story to many of you. But for those that aren't super familiar with it, we've got David and the Philistine army in one, or the Israeli army on one side. You've got the Valley of Elah, it's called, in the middle. Then you've got the Philistines. The Philistines, and they're, they're kind of squaring off, okay? And then they, they, they send out their giant, their key warrior, seven foot tall or nine foot tall or whatever. And he's giving it the old fee-fi-fo-fum, you know, morning and night. He's out giving it, if, if anybody's brave enough, whatever. David it's bringing the lunch. He's still small to his brothers, and uh, they're, they're on the battle lines doing nothing. Saul the king, he's afraid. Look at the size of this guy. Look at all my weapons. I have, I have no way to beat this guy. David's like, who's your man? And he gets kind of incensed, okay? And he's like, well, I'll go and fight him. I think David was from the north, you know? I just <laughs> stuck ahead of him. You know what I mean? Amen, brother. Oh, I'll tell you. It's the last time we're back. Oh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, okay. Verse 45 then, okay, of uh, 1 Samuel 17. David kind of, he's tried on Saul's armor. He says, look, I'll fight. Tries on Saul's armor. It won't fit, whatever. So he goes to the brook and he gets these stones. He gets the sling and you, you kind of know the story. And he's squaring up to, the, to Goliath and Goliath's like, how am I wasting my time with this Egypt? And David turns and he says to Goliath, he says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the, in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. <laughs> what a last fight and talk. And we know what happens, bang, okay, and we know how it goes. And suddenly the Israel, they kind of find their, don't they find their courage? Because one guy decided to be brave, and now we're all brave, and they charge, and they, they win the war. Let me read that verse again. Keep it up. There it is. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name. I come against you in the name. And the difference between David and Saul is this. Saul could only see what he carried his shield and his armor and his sword and his spear. And compared to all of those items that Goliath was carrying, he decided it's too big. He's too strong. We will never win. He looked at what he carried, but David could only see who he carried. And compared to the size of the sword and the javelin and the shield of Goliath, God versus Goliath, David decided the Israelite army, well, we cannot lose. David understood what I want us to understand today, that he carries and we carry more than physical weapons, more than skill, more than talent. David, fundamental to his faith and fundamental to his willingness to engage with Goliath was this conviction that he carried the name of his king. And therefore, because he carried the name of the king, he could release the authority of the kingdom. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, a kind of parallel passage to Matthew 10, 
It says this, that after this, the Lord appointed 72. So we have the 12, now we've 72. And he sent them out two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. And so they go off and they do the business and they'd return on this buzzing from this kind of local missions trip. And they've been praying and they've been preaching. They've been seeing miracles. And they're all like, you know when you come back from a trip, our kids, three of them come back yesterday from uh, the Gold Duke of Edinburgh expedition, lashing with rain on some mountain up in the north. It was fantastic. Drowned rats. They were, they were soaked through. But they got into the car and they were buzzing like, we did, we did, we climbed that, we did this, we did the... And so you kind of get this sense with the boys and they're coming back from this mission trip and they're, Jesus, we did this. Look at the story. Where do you see? Here's what happened. And verse 17 says, they returned with joy and said, Lord, where do you hear? Even the demons submitted to us in your name. And look, listen to what Jesus says in verse 18 through 19. He says, look, I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Because when you carry the name of the king, you can release the authority of the kingdom. Acts chapter 3. You see, Johnny's already on it. He's talked about it already today. Let me read you the story. One day, Peter and John were going up in the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention. Of course he did. He was expecting to get something from them. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. What does he say? In the, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And what happened? Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. How can this happen, church? It happened because Peter and John. It happens because David. It happens because of the 72 understood that when they carry the name of the king, they can release the authority of the kingdom. So what does this mean for you? 23rd of October. Well, it's this, and I want you to remember this. You are a verified influencer for the king and his kingdom. That's who you are. I don't know if any of you are on Instagram or on uh, Twitter, but have you ever noticed this little blue symbol? That's a verification symbol, okay? It's a verification badge. Here's what it means. It means in terms of Instagram has confirmed that an account is the authentic presence of the public figure, celebrity, or global brand it represents. In other words, Instagram has confirmed that the pictures and the reels and the stories and the videos, they carry the presence of the person it represents. And I believe this about you today with all of my heart, 
that God has put a blue badge on your heavenly account because you need to be reminded that you carry the presence of the God you represent in Jesus' name. Therefore, you are, Christ followers, are verified influencers for the kingdom of God on the earth. It's not like, I wonder with more prayer and extra tithing, I wonder the Lord, you no. I am, you are, a verified today. You carry the name of the king. Amen. And Peter gets excited about it in his first letter in chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen people. You are a, if that wasn't good enough, you are a, not just any old ordinary priesthood, you are a royal priesthood. And if that wasn't enough, that's two for two, we'll take two. But then he says, you are a holy nation. You are the spiritual country, the spiritual landscape set apart. God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who carried you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen? How good is this? How good is this? All right. Here's the second reaction. So the first reaction is this, that when you carry the name of the king, you can have the authority to release the the kingdom. Now, here's the second one. When you release the authority of the kingdom, you attract the enemies of your king. Hip, hip. Oftentimes, the, the vision of opposition appears greater than the vision of the king. Some of you are going through opposition in this moment, and this second section will make more sense and, and hopefully maybe be of more value than the first section, even though you believe the whole thing about the first. Some of you are going through some things in this room. And in the second part of our text today, that's why I wanted to read the whole 22 verses, is because we get, the first, we get the good stuff, if you like, in the first bit, then we get the harder stuff in the second. And Jesus wants his disciples to know, and he wants you to know, that sooner or later, when you begin to step out and move and release the authority of the kingdom of God, wherever it is you go, you're going to begin to attract some wolves in your vicinity. But he wants you to know that at the end of all of that, that the kingdom of God will prevail. Amen? And we need to understand that because sometimes we think, well, I don't want the opposition, so I won't actually begin to serve. No, no, no. Jesus wants you to know that the kingdom of God always will prevail. Yes, because he is the king of kings. Isaiah 54 verse 17 says this, that no weapon forged against you will prevail. And here's the thing, Isaiah goes on. He says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me. Do you know what heritage means? Heritage means something that comes or belongs to someone by reason of birth and inherited lot or portion. In other words, when you are born again, if you like, into the spirit, Spirit of God, when you become a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Christ, part of the package, part of the inheritance is this idea that no matter what weapon is forged against you, it will not prevail. It is your inheritance. It is your heritage as a follower of Jesus. And so we got to understand that. we got to appropriate that blessing to our lives. That no matter what you are going through, it will not rob your faith. It will not silence you. It will not make you sit down in a corner and cower in, in unbelief. Not at all. Whatever is coming your way, it will not prevail in Jesus' name. Church, I think of, of Nehemiah. He is called. 
He is commissioned by God. And sometimes we think when we get the call of God, when we get the commission of God, do you know what? Nothing bad will happen. I remember one of the only times, I'd say maybe one out of two times, that I heard an audible voice of God was when I was asking God, should I go to Derry? Should I take the job? I lived in County Down. I'd never been in Derry. I think I drove through it once on the way to Donegal. We in Belfast go to Donegal for a weekend away. We don't stay. We don't stay in Derry. We, Derry went round Derry. Derry. Derry, right? And so you needed divine intervention to go to Derry, okay? It had walls and a lot of fighting. That's all we knew, okay? And I was sitting in Judah's bedroom, we were dating at the time, and, and I felt this like wind, and then this voice says, go. And I went, oh, that's new. I was freaked out. And so I went to Derry, but I went to Derry with this misconception. Well, if God told me to come, it's all going to be fab. It wasn't fab. It was a mare, the whole thing. No, it was good. Lots of good things. But my goodness, lots of stuff goes on. So sometimes you think when we're called and commissioned by God, hey, handy. It's why we need this, okay? And so Jeremiah, Nehemiah, he's called, he's commissioned to rebuild the walls, and not just the walls, because walls were kind of tied to honor and reputation. So as he was building the walls, he's rebuilding the reputation of Jerusalem. And as he restores the walls, he's restoring dignity and honor to the Lord and to the name of the Lord and to his people. But the moment he started, the moment he got the walls going, what happened? A few Sanballat and Tobiah, all these, and start giving it that. Twitter's on fire. How many people know that divine invention attracts demonic intervention? Hello? Divine invention will always attract demonic intervention. Now, it's a sermon for another day. But suffice to say, the opposition against Nehemiah, and it's kind of like a one, two, three, four, five scale. It intensified at every level. I'm not going to read all the verses, but you can check it out in chapter 4 and then also at the start of chapter 6. But the first thing that the, the, the objectors, the, the, the guys who came at them, the first thing they did was they attacked his plan. In fact, why not? Why don't I read it? It'll make more sense. Hang on. In chapter, in chapter 4, verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, this is another fellow, they were standing together, he says, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls. What are they doing? This is not last. So the first thing they do is they attack the plan. So they didn't stop the work, so then they attack the place. Look at verse 7. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead, and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem, and stir up trouble against it. So when the plan, and the attack on the plan didn't work, let's go to the place. Let's go to the place and attack the place. Well, that didn't work either. So they intensified to level three. What did they do? They started to attack the people, doing the job. Verse 11. Also, and this is the people talking, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, they will be right here among them and they will kill them and they'll put an end to their work. And the people were getting afraid. So they attacked the plan, didn't work. Attacked Jerusalem, didn't work. Let's get the people doing the work. When the enemy can't attack your church, when he can't attack your city, he'll now attack the people of God. He'll move in. What can we do? 
And Nehemiah goes, I know the work of the enemy. I also know this, that no weapon forged against me will prevail. This is the Lord's work. I've been called to it. I've been commissioned by God into it. So we're not going to stop. He says, I'm going to station some people here, here, and here. Build with one hand, put a sword in the other. It's, it's a phenomenal. You've got to read this story. It should be a movie. It is phenomenal. So he responds. And then what happens? They, they go for the plan, the place, the people. And then they went to Nehemiah himself. They went for the leader, everybody. They made threats on his life. And in chapter 6, verse 2, the, the boys, Sanballat, Tobiah, and all the Arabs and stuff, they said to him, hey, why did you come down, Nehemiah, and meet us in the valley? I love the name of the valley. It's called Ono. <laughs> Big hint in the name of the valley. Why did you come and meet us in the valley of Ono? What did Nehemiah say? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm too busy doing the work of the Lord. But do you see the progression, church? The place, the plan, then the place, then the people, then the leaders. Do you see how it intensifies? How you gotta be mindful of how this whole thing works. Jesus, in the remaining verses of chapter 10, he describes how the proximity of the kingdom of God to some people will, res will respond to healing and great uh, victories and, and just incredible moves of the Spirit of God. But he also goes on to say that when you uh, release the kingdom of God, not everybody's going to hear it and respond to it in the same way. You may already have found that. In verses 11 through 16, let me paraphrase, Jesus says, as you carry the authority of the kingdom into towns and villages, he says, look, not everyone is going to be impressed, but no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. In verses 17 through 20, Jesus says, as you carry the authority of the kingdom into contact with government and religion, and religion, everybody. He warns the disciples, not everyone will want to hear what you have to say. And furthermore, they may not even believe on the evidence of the miracles you produce. You see, you're your greatest selling point for the kingdom of God. You're a walking miracle. Yes, because only you know how you used to live. Should scare you. If you had my life, the movie... I'll be at a high court injunction getting that thing stopped from ever being shown. But then Jesus steps into your life and changes everything. So you're your greatest miracle in a way. But he says, look, when you come into contact with governments and religions, they may not believe at all. Then in verse 21, Jesus warns them that even when they carry the authority of the kingdom to other people, it may cause families to fracture and to fall out. Since one will believe and another will not. Sometimes we, we go through seasons of it's king before kin. And I wonder, have you ever encountered opposition to the good news of Jesus? Of course you did. Because the first time you heard about Jesus, you opposed it. Yes? So you know how this works. Don't be too hard on the lost. You weren't born found. I chased a member of this Jordanstown Student Union around the campus. <laughs> Literally chased him. Ran after him. And he ran away from me. Tried to get me to go to Student Union. I got growled at him, Johnny. Arr. And then I ran for him and he ran away. Not a proud moment. 
Talk about opposing the kingdom of God. But the wee fella from the SU is having the last laugh. Because here I am. <laughs> Talking about Jesus. Little sunbeam. I remember taking teams of Americans into, into estates in Derry. Unpacking the stuff and the inflatables and all the stuff and kids programs. We're, we're you know, doing stuff during the day to point to a, a kids week thing we were doing in the latter half of the week. And it was in the evening time, and we got it all set up, and just whatever. And I can remember the Concerned Parents Association, <laughs> suddenly the jungle drunk, the smoke signals, they were up, whatever. I don't know what it meant, but I knew it wasn't good, you know what I'm saying? And there was a whole party, and just gathered up, and they come right down, out, out. It's, you're not wanted here, you're not wanted in this estate, out you go, da, da, da. You pack up, pull the pen, down the inflatables, every kid crying, you know what I mean? <laughs> See your mommy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And away we go. And that, that's it. Opposition. It's going to happen. It's just going to happen. It's just going to do it. And you know what? It's a sign you're doing it right. It's a sign you're doing it right. So even though Jesus is laying it on the line for his disciples, and even though it's, it's all the fun stuff at the start, and then it gets into the reality and the harder stuff at the end of the second part of our, of our text today, Jesus weaves through all of this with this kind of, for me, this Holy Spirit provocation with the right words to say and, 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 and the best of all, this kind of eternal awareness of the Father of just how valuable you are. And, and so I, I want to encourage you today, as you walk out on your faith, as you carry the name of the King, as we're wrapping up this vision series, because ultimately, Ultimately, that's what, that's what we're here. This is the vision of the house. It's life-giving and it's life-changing. Life and you're the ones that will bring life change in Jesus' name. So I want to encourage you, as you carry the name of the King, opposition is going to come to you in some way, shape, or form. But now we know, church. But now we know. And so as we know, it doesn't stop us because we've learned that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We have the verification badge of the King of Kings. And as we carry the name of the King, we can release the authority of the kingdom. And so know this today, that God is with you, that the Holy Spirit will speak through you. God will remind you that you are loved and so valuable to him. I'm going to close with this quote and the band can come right back up and join me, but they're going to get ready. Don't look at them. Listen to this quote, okay? It says this, read this earlier, the Christian is a person who knows no fear because they know that the judgments of eternity will correct the judgments of time. Amen? I love that. No matter what wrong things people may think of you because of your love for Jesus, no matter what uh, things they say about you because of your faith, no matter what they try to do because they're antagonistic with the love of Jesus, we have to understand that the God of eternity or the God in eternity will right every single wrong, that God is your vindication. I believe some of you in this room are about to be vindicated. I believe some of you, um, God is about to move on your behalf. You have held your hand, hovered above the gossip button, the send button, the revenge button, and it's the Spirit's been stopping you. And in honor of that, God's going to move on your behalf, even this week for some of you. Psalm 37 verse 6 says, He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. 
your vindication like the noonday sun. Isn't that awesome? What is there not with a noonday sun? Shadow. There's no doubt. God is going to vindicate some of you today. So as we close, what we have this morning is two equal truths that we hold in tension. And we see this so often in the kingdom of God. We have this reaction one, this first truth, that when you carry the name of the king, you can release the authority of the kingdom. And then over here, that when you release the authority of the kingdom, you attract the enemies of the king. We hold these two things. And so my question is, where will your focus be? Where will your focus be? Is it on the enemy or is it on the king? Come on, let's stand for a second. Let's stand. Lord Jesus. Come on, where's your focus? You can bow your head. You can close your eyes. Where's your focus this morning? Some of you in the room have been contending for the Lord. Some of you have family that aren't followers of Jesus. Some of you have family perhaps that haven't said a word to you since you said yes to Jesus. For some, you're the only believer in your workplace. That's hard. Like That is hard. And yet every Monday, you, you, you get a word from God. Every Sunday, you're built, you're connected, you're into connect groups, part of open arms. It's your family. You get into work, you grit your teeth, you smile. People take the hand a wee bit. They try and test you another joke here and there. Come on. Oh, it's going to change for you this week. Because you're going to pray something for something, they're going to get healed. You're going to get a word for someone you're going to give and it's going to blow their mind. Why? Because you're a verified influencer for the king. You're not some chicken in the corner tarrying to Jesus comes. Are you out of your mind? Oh, not at all. You've been called and sent and commissioned and everywhere you go, everything changes because you carry the name of the king. Is the enemy going to come? Yes, he is. He's only going to try it on because he knows how potent you are. So, Father, I'm praying today for every single person in this room who's a follower of Jesus. Lord, we see the blue badge on our hearts right now. We receive that blue badge. We clear off the, the fear and the debris that we are a verified influencer for the kingdom of God. I represent the presence. I carry the presence. Come on, say that to your soul. I carry the presence of God. I carry the name of my King. And this week, come on, I want to encourage you, I want to dare you, double dare you, do something scary. When was the last time you did something scary for Jesus? All right, look up for me in a second. I want us to pray this prayer together. It's our closing prayer. The way I want to do it is I want to read a line and then you recite the line back. Okay, that's probably just the easiest way. And so here's, here's the prayer. And it says, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I believe today. In Christ, I am an influencer for God. I carry God's name. I can release His authority to build His kingdom. This is my church. This is our time. In Jesus' name.
fill us with your spirit and send us today. In Jesus' name.